Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Hey, so today we're, Mark, uh, we're in the fourth week of our series uh, we started just a few weeks ago called Core. Uh, and we're going through kind of like the basis, the, the root of our faith. We're talking about uh, parts of, of being a follower of Christ that, that maybe are kind of like unconditional parts that we believe that like Jesus is telling this, this should be a part of our relationship with him. You know, there's many denominations throughout uh, the United States, throughout the world when it comes to Christianity, but ultimately when it comes down to when it comes down to being a follower of Christ, these are things that I believe are, are core elements. they got to be foundational. And so as we are continuing to grow as a church, as we're continuing to grow uh, even as our own individuals and our families, as we're growing spiritually, I think part of the things that we've got to assess and make sure that we are secure in is what happens in our core. And so whether you're a workout freak like myself, right, just definitely very fit and trim, you understand the importance of core, right? Your core's got to be strong. I think the same thing, the same principle uh, in, is involved in us spiritually. And so uh, I want us to dive into that this week. The past couple of weeks, we've been talking about these different core elements. If you missed any of it, you can go online uh, at coastlinensb.com. Uh, and, uh, and check out previous sermons there as well as uh, on YouTube. And for all the people tuning in online, all the people doing church online, I want to say welcome. Thank you so much for showing up this morning. It's going to be a great morning. So today I want to, I want to step into the next part uh, of this core series. But before that, I want to pray for us and we'll jump right into it. You guys ready? Perfect. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, I pray that today would be a beautiful Sunday. I pray that we would enjoy this great creation that you've given us of uh, being able to live here near the beach. God, I pray that the sun would shine. I pray that this morning, God, that we would uh, be set free from, from worries and stress as we continue to root our faith and our core in you. I pray that you show us the way that we should walk, show us the things that we should do. And God, that's, that's what we're going to do. And we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, does anyone here enjoy people watching? Couple, couple of people. We should start a small group on people watching. It's tough because it's, it's hard, it's really hard to not make it go from people watching to people judging, right? It's a, it's a, hard, it's a fine line. It's a fine line. It's one of the things, but I love people watching. I think people are just, people are unique, you know? Well, that, that's like the only saving grace of like going to Target with Erica. Like we got to walk through like every aisle. It's crazy. Not for me, but because she needs to see what Joanna Gaines is selling that week or whatever. But as we walk through, like I straight up people watch everybody. Now Target's not as fun as as like people watching at Walmart, right? So that's a different that's a different breed of person. If you shop at Walmart, there's no judgment. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Some people, they shouldn't be wearing those kind of shorts. You know, it's just is, is what it is. Some people, we need to take them to the, the soap counter and show them what a, a dial bar of soap is. Anyways, um, people watching is, is so much fun. Um, one of my favorite 
people watching events, though, is uh, Memorial and Labor Day weekends going down to the, so who said boat ramp? Someone said, yes, oh my gosh. The boat ramps on the weekends here in New Smyrna Beach are, they're a holiday on themselves. Like I literally, I see people and they're like double, like they're going to church. It's like double lined. People are like out there with their grill flipping hamburgers as they're watching drunk people trying to put boats back on the boat ramp. It's, it's fantastic. It's so much fun. I love people watching. I also have this thing where, and, and this is where we got to get real for a minute. And how many of you guys can be honest and say like you've totally like Facebook stalked someone one time? Oh, nobody, nobody wants to fess up to that. Like three people, okay. Well, we won't call it Facebook stock. It's Facebook investigate, right? Facebook and stock sounds just way too harsh. Facebook investigate. Like you find out your girlfriend's like got a new boyfriend or something, and you're like, I'm, let's see what about this joker. What's going on with him, you know? You're looking back like 15 years, like he dated some girl in the third grade, and she looks ratchet. I'm going to tell you what. When it comes to our lives, we... we we love to watch people. We love to, to check people out and see what's going on in their lives. But it, it actually has kind of an f- effect on us as well, right? Because we go through life thinking, like, that's what people are doing. That's what people are doing to us. They're, they're watching us. They're judging us. They're, they're taking a look. They're, they're, they're paying attention to what, what's going on in, in our life. And one of the things that, that concerns me about this, this culture that we're in of, like, you know, I, I love social media. Social media, I think, is a fantastic tool for people to stay connected. But one of the, one of the major faults that it has, one of the, the major struggles I have, one of the, the health concerns I have when it comes to our mental and our emotional state is the fact that social media has now become like the way that people view one another. It, it's, it's the way that we communicate clearly what we want other people to see, Right? We get, we get this thing where, like, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're struggling with, we're going to put on our social media, this is who we want to be. We want people to think well about us. We want people to think good about us. And we want to make sure that people are, are connecting and see all the things that are, that are our best moments. We know this to be true because, like, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like, that's what my Facebook is. Like, all my Facebook posts, if you look down, are either, like, Great church events, um, pictures of me and Erica going on dates, which happens few, few minutes, not as many times as it should, um, pictures of my kids, and pictures of fish. But it's all like the best times of my life. Like it's giant fish, it's like the fantastic date. We never post the date where we're like arguing for an hour and a half beforehand, right? And then we follow it up with Dairy Queen ice cream just to like save, you know, like Hail Mary save the date. You're laughing because you've been there. You know that. It's like, dude, can't argue anymore. We just have to squash this with a blizzard. But we post all the best ofs and all the highlights. And ultimately, though, I think that, I think it starts to adjust our culture to be that one of its, that, that's what I want to pursue. My life needs to be that. This person's going on vacation. This person's getting a new truck. This person's having a good time. They found the one, and, and I've got to compete with it. I've got to get what they have. And it leads us to this, as a culture, it's, it's led us to, I believe, and this is not to, 
to take a stab at anyone, this is a stab at myself as well, to a very unhealthy place of, of us as humans being selfish, where we go through life and, and, and we think, what about me in this instance? Now, it doesn't happen all the times, but like when we're at work and we're, when we're on vacation and we're, when we're out to eat, it's hard for us not to think like, what, what do I want in this experience? What can I get? Even in relationships, what can I get out of, out of this person? We have free will to, to pursue the things that we want. Freedom can be dangerous. Now, some of us are, you're, you're a little bit sensitive already, and you think I'm beating up on you, and I apologize. I promise you that's not the case. This is, this is what I'm struggling with as well. Some of you think, Brian, we live, we live in America, and part of the beauty of America is that we have the freedom to pursue our own happiness. And, and I would say, yes, that is that's one of the beauties of it. It's also a beauty of humanity that God himself, our creator, has given us, given us free will. It's a beautiful thing. It, it can also be a very dangerous thing. And even though we have this gift of freedom, I think we've got to be very careful about how we wield it. The Apostle Paul warns us about this when it comes to, 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 our, to our selfishness, when it comes to how we live in, in this freedom of what we pursue. He warns us through this letter he wrote to the church in Galatia. He says this, he says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to What's that word? Serve. T- today, the key, key thing that we're going to talk about here this morning, the, key, the, the core element to where it comes to putting our faith into action, I believe, lands on this word of serve. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up into this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. When it comes to us as, as Christ followers, at some point we understand we, we live with a different objective. We, we, we're not supposed to live just to pursue like the things that, that we want. We're not supposed to just conform to, the, to, to whatever the world culture says. The Bible says actually the opposite. It says don't conform to, uh, the, to, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to, we're supposed to change things. I think ultimately that comes from living like Jesus did. And so if we look at his example and how he lived and what he pursued, and maybe where we're at now, there's a little bit of a different of a picture of, of who we're living for and what we're pursuing. And how we're, we're wielding this freedom that, that he's given us. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 45, it, it talks pretty clearly about how Jesus says about we should be using this. He says, so Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to, first, uh, to be first among you must be slave to everyone else. For even the Son of Man 
this is Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus himself, he didn't come to this earth. He didn't live the years that he lived, and he didn't do ministry, the years he did ministry, to be served or bring attention to himself. He served those around him. He helped those that were in need. He protected those that needed to be protected. This past week I was, um, I was watching a, uh, a video of John F. Kennedy's uh, inaugural address. And, and, and as I quote this, and you, know, you probably know this one too, like this, is, this sermon is not about politics at all. This is not about America. This is about church culture. So whatever you identify with in your politics, I don't care because it's not what this is about. So please don't, don't take your political fil- filters off of this for a second. But in his address, he, he looks at the crowd that's around him, and he says this. He says, ask not what your country can do for you. But, but what can you do for your country? He said it in a, like a New England accent. I can't pull off real well. I'm a country boy, but you guys, you guys have heard this before. And, and, and I thought, as I'm, as I'm listening to it, I'm like, this is way before my time. But it's a pretty clear message. It's this understanding of like culturally, we've gotten to this like consumer mentality where it's about me, what can I get, what do I want, when can I get it, how can I get it? And if I can be honest, I'm going to be honest for a second. I'm going to need you to like maybe extend some grace to me because I'm not a super eloquent guy. I'm not trying to offend anybody with this, but sometimes I feel like that's how we've gotten off when it comes to church and being followers, being followers of Christ in a group. I, even my own self, I can call my own self in this. There's times I've gone to church. I've gone for a year. I've gone for a couple of weeks or whatever it is, and I thought to myself, you know what? This church just isn't giving me what I need. This church isn't, this church is not, it's not hitting me where I need, you know, I want to, I want to come out of church on time. I want to feel good. And this, this church just saying that I got to find a new church. When ultimately when it comes down to us doing church together, us doing ministry together, it's, it shouldn't be about a consumer mentality. It should be about a serving God's people mentality. Because that's what Jesus has called us to do is to serve those around us, serve our neighbors. You know, I, I think it was funny when he, when he communicates to people like what, who's their neighbor. When, he tries, when people try to like nail him down and define him like who are the people that we're supposed to serve, who are the people that we're supposed to love. He uses the story of the Good Samaritan, someone who, like, when it comes to Jewish people and when it comes to Samaritans, they were so far from one another. They, they lived in the same area, but none of them liked each other. He chooses this relationship, he says, to communicate these are the people that we're supposed to serve, we're supposed to love. And so I challenge you, when it comes to us doing church together, I don't want us ever to get to a point where we're doing church in a consumer mentality. I do want us to do church in a, in a serving one another mentality. I, I want to be able to celebrate moments like when Kayla steps out of her comfort zone and gives all the glory to God when it comes to her worship and shows us an example how to worship. When people step out and, and, and lead a circle group for the first time, they feel like they're not qualified or they don't have the right tools. 
But as they serve one another, they see the Holy Spirit give them exactly what they need. I'm going to tell you that if we will change our mindset as, as individuals, as followers of Christ, if we'll change our mindset as a church, God will do way more with us. If we'll shift from, like, what can I get out of it to, God, how do you want to use me to give and serve to the people around me? The change in us will be far greater than what we can ever even imagine. I think God uses people who have a heart to serve in ways that are way bigger than what they could have imagined. This past Friday night, I, um, I, was, I was actually talking to a buddy earlier today about this, um, but uh, me and Erica and a couple of our friends went, went, and went fishing at night. And uh, we went and had a little, had a little bit of, uh, had some dinner and then got out on a boat and, and went fishing. And we fished for a long time. Finally, Erica gave up and she said, you got to drop me off on the dock and I'm going to go back home. I'm going to walk home. And so she did. She Ubered home or whatever. It was great. And at, at the end of the night, I would love to tell you that I'd hooked into a giant snook and brought home some meat for dinner or something. That didn't happen at all. I threw a bunch of money and bait right into the river. It was great. I didn't catch a dang thing. And after washing the boat and cleaning everything up and putting it all away, I walked into the door at 2.30 in the morning. Now, some of you guys are already judging me because you're like, what is the pastor doing up at 2.30 in the morning? There's nothing good going on at 2.30 in the morning. I was like, it's all right. There wasn't anything good. I should have gone to bed at like 10 o'clock. There was no fish to be had. But 2.30 in the morning, I'm like beat and tired and I'm like on that border of like, am I too tired to shower? Should I get in the bed gross? I'm not going to do that. I'm just, I showered. But in that moment when I'm like at my most tired, I remember the story of Jesus finding Peter. It said that Jesus had a crowd around him and he got in, he's asked Peter, he said, hey, can I get in your boat? And you put out just a little bit. I'm going to talk to this, this crowd. I'm going to give you the Brian Nichols version, B and V. He puts out a little bit, and, and at the end of communicating, Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, why don't we go out a little bit deeper, and you put the nets down again. And Peter stops, he says, Jesus. He gives, gives us a little context of what he's been doing before Jesus showed up that morning. It wasn't like they were getting ready to go fishing. He said, he said Jesus, we, we've been fishing all night long. We've been doing this. We didn't, we didn't catch anything. The Bible says that he walked up to the Peter and them as they were cleaning the nets. That's like the final thing that you do before you get to go home and go to sleep, right? They've been out all night long, fishing all night long, didn't catch a dang thing. Me and Peter could be buddies. Jesus says, go out a little bit further and put down your nets. He says, Jesus, we've been doing this all night, but so if that's what you want me to do, then that's what I'm going to do. And so they put out, and they said they caught more fish than what their nets could hold, and it almost capsized, capsized the boat. And in reading that again, I realized the reason that Jesus picked Peter, he picked all these other smart guys. He picked guys that were tax collectors, people that, that were the best of the best. He, he picked guys that, but Peter, a slowly fisherman, he had a heart to serve and the moment when he was tired the most, and the moment that he didn't want to do it, he says, 
If that's what you want to do, that, that's, that's what I'll do. I think to myself, I'm like, man, we need to, for a guy that was as uneducated and not prim and proper as Peter, the thing that he had going for him was he had a servant's heart and God used him in a giant way. And that's what I want for us. That's what I want for us in, in, in a church. Coastline, for us, I, I want us to be, I don't want us to be the church of the most talented people, the most pretty people. We're okay on that so far with me. I, I, don't, I don't want that, but I do want us to be the church of the most obedient and most serving, the most connected people to Christ in this community. And if we will do that, if we'll take on his heart of serving those that are around us, we'll have an incredible impact on our world. That culture I, I was talking about, of that culture of being selfish, will start to shift and will start to change to a culture that is that's selfless. And for the world that my kids are going to grow up in, that, that we're still going to live in, man, I hope... I hope that culture continues to change. And so I want to challenge you today before we end with this question. Who do you serve? I, I think it's something that only you can, you can answer. Well, let me take it back. I would say to, to differentiate this, who, what are you currently serving? I think we all know the, the, the Bible, the Sunday school answer should be like, who do you serve? Should, well, Jesus. We should all say it unanimously, Jesus, right? But like, who do we, who are we actually serving? And I was convicted with this because I thought, you know who would be able to tell me what I served? My kids. If I, if I went up to Olivia and I said, Olivia, I want you to fill in the blank. Dad always blank. And, and for whatever that blank is, I would bet in your life, in my life, that would be something I'm serving. That might be something I'm putting ahead of, ahead of God. It's for me and my house, I declare I, I, that I'm going to serve the Lord. That's what, that's, what I, that's what I need to be doing. That's what I want to be doing. That's what I need to strive for every day. And the way we serve the Lord is by serving one another. In the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 40, Jesus connects this when he says, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The way, the way we serve Jesus, the way we serve Jesus is... is is by loving on and serving one another. You want to know why the people that show up at, Adam, what time you show up this morning? 7.30? You know why Adam showed up at 7.30 this morning to help set up sound and put the stage together and put these lights together? It wasn't because he loves me. It wasn't because we're buddies. It's because he loves Jesus. And he understands that the way that he serves Jesus is by serving all of us. The reason why Elizabeth and her team wake up and get caffeinated early in the morning 
and are out there in the morning, whether they got a mask on or no mask, where they're smiling from ear to ear like a fox eating yellow jackets, the reason they're out there is it's because they love Jesus. Because they know to serve him, they serve the people around him. The sweet ladies that are holding babies right now, which, by the way, we need some baby holders. Only if you like babies, okay? Don't be the mean child, kids lady, okay? We don't, want, we don't need the mean lunch lady holding babies or whatever. But the reason that they're back there right now, the reason why Alan and Shelly Ward serve, what, once a month, twice a month in kids' ministry? They love their kids, and they love your kids, but they love Jesus, and they understand part of serving Jesus is serving the people that are around them. And so today I want to challenge you with this. I want to challenge you to live like Christ, to adjust your core to that one that will serve Jesus. Will serve not when, when I say the church, many of you think serve coastline, and that's not that's not what I'm saying. I think serving at coastline is a good opportunity, but to serve fellow believers and help those that are in need. I think that's a, a beautiful part, a beautiful way to serve Christ. You know, this, um, this past week, and actually it was yesterday, um, I got an invitation to uh, walk the bridge with a group that were, they were doing like a, a memorial walk because it's, uh, it was September 11th. And uh, it came at a time where Eric and I had been watching you know, we had been watching documentaries for the better part of the day about 9-11 and trying to just remember and, and connect with what happened 20 years ago. And um, as I started listening, as we're walking, as we're talking with these guys and we're remembering, and it brings back this flooding of, of feelings and emotions of what happened in, in our world that day and there's there's absolutely nothing to celebrate it was a mass destruction came with lots of death and it's a very very heartbreaking time September 11th 20 years ago 2,996 people passed away in ways that I don't even want to mention. 343 of those people were firefighters. And after those two buildings fell down, there was only 18 people that they pulled from the rubble that survived. As I was listening to these documentaries and, and learning a little bit more, I I realized that the reason it happened is because of selfishness. Because people thought, I want what I want. My way is the right way. And breaks, it should break our heart all the time. The one thing that, that gave me peace and I think is worth celebrating is as, as we were learning some more about it, there was, they say, somewhere between fifty and 90,000 people passed through those buildings 
every single day. Between 50 and 90,000. It's a lot of people. And because because of 343 firemen serving their community, it was a lot less than that. The, the destruction and the pain that could have caused could have been far greater. But 343 men that stopped thinking about what they wanted and stopped thinking about what they needed in life and stopped thinking about what car they drove or if they had whatever type amount of money they had in the bank, whatever they, all those, all those thoughts just went away. And it switched gears to, we're going to help these people. We're going to serve these people. And it made all the difference. Yesterday and today I've been praying for these families that are still affected by it, that are still, still mourning. But I'm also challenged with the thought of, am, am I that guy? Do I have that same heart when it comes to being a follower of Christ, when it comes to helping those that are hurting and those that are lost? Will we accept the challenge to serve and step away from self? And this week, that's what I hope happens in your life. I hope that as you continue to pursue your relationship with Jesus, that you would adjust your thought process, adjust, adjust the way you do things a little bit to, to think, how can I serve those that are around me? Not, not focus on my own self, but to be selfless, to live like Jesus, to serve him. And by the way that I serve him, it's out of serving the people that he's put in contact with me. I hope that this morning maybe the Holy Spirit gives us a little perspective and adjusts our way of thinking. Because if what happened on September 11th was based off of evil and selfishness and so many other bad things, I think to live selflessly and to serve those that are around us will help adjust that way of thinking. I just had this vision a little bit of um, light and dark, you know. Jesus ultimately has called us to be light to the world, right? And if you, if you think about that battle between light and dark, it's, it's not really a battle at all. We're not going to do this, and I don't want to throw the tech team off. What, but if, if, if at any moment I were to call, like said, hey, I want it pitch black in here. Let's drop all the lights, we would, we would sit here, and in about three or four seconds, you would start feeling uncomfortable. I don't know a lot of people that really like dark. But for me standing here by myself, I took out my phone, and in the midst of that darkness, turned on a flashlight. You would immediately see the darkness start to recede. Because, see, like, here's the thing. When it comes to the battle of light and dark, when it comes to this, this, this battle... Darkness actually doesn't have any power at all. Darkness is the absence of the light. As soon as the light enters the room, I don't care if it's right here on the stage or in that corner, it immediately starts to spread out through the area that's in. 
I think ultimately with us as followers of Christ, if we will take the love of Jesus, if we will take the light that he has given us and serve those that are around us in the dark world that we live in, it will change and adjust where we live, where we work, and where we play. It will adjust the lives of the people in our family. It will change us for the better. And that's what I hope for. That's, That's what I pray for. That's what I hope I set an example for my kids with. That one day, Olivia would say, Dad always serves those around him. Dad always chooses not to be selfish. Dad always takes care of us. That's, that's what I want. I hope that today uh, you're challenged and you're uplifted. Um, man, I think it's worth us remembering uh, those that lost them li- their lives uh, 20 years ago on September 11th. Um, but to also celebrate those men that served their community in a huge way. And I would hope that that would charge us and challenge us for the future to be better to change our culture. I hope that when it comes to your family and what you're dealing with, that Jesus would make you a light into the world and that no matter how you feel like you're doing in that battle that you're going through, that the Holy Spirit would give you energy to push through and push past it. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Jesus, I thank you so much for what you've done and being an example to us. Jesus, you came down and You worked hard and you helped those that were in need. You fed those that were hungry. You even breathed life back into those who were dead. And ultimately, you paid the ultimate price and pain of taking on the burden of our sin and our shame. And Jesus, I thank you for it. Jesus, I pray that as we continue to pursue this life that you've called us to, that you would adjust our perspective and that we would see the good in life, that you would see, that we would see that, that we're the opportunity to bring life and light into the world. And so I pray right now that you would give us a heart to serve those that are around us, that you would give us a heart to serve those that we, we work side by side with, to serve those that we drive to school every morning and that we lay next to at night. Jesus, I pray that you would continue to show us and challenge us and even even convict us when necessary of how we can continue to be the church that's not consumer-driven but is serving those around us and that you place in front of us. And I thank you so much for what's to come. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.